Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. Hey, I want to encourage you. I felt like during worship, too, I kind of got this picture. I was driving by one of the smaller churches in Marble on the way up this morning. But you know one of the cool, unique things about that building is the steeple? I like the steeple. I love it. You know, this is the church. This is the steeple. And here's all the people. And you remember, remember that? I was, I was just kind of struck by it today, though, and I thought, God, you, 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 you called people, and actually the church used to build the steeple so that it was the tallest point in the community, that they could see it from wherever they were. Some, some of the symbolism is that the prayers of the saints would go through the steeple, kind of goofy, but anyways, but this direct pointing toward heaven, right? But I just felt like the Lord said, uh, HCF, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Amen. Amen. God is doing great things through you, HCF, and it's going to continue. And I just want to, I just have this sense that God wants to do something so big in central Texas that Texas is shocked by it, that that the United States goes, I don't know, I thought Burnett was a podunk little place. It might be, but I think, I think this, I think God wants to do something so significant in and through this church body that people go, man, I don't know what's going on, but I, I have to get there. I, I, ha- I hear people are getting healed. I have to get there. I hear the word of God is preached from there. I have to get there. Again, it's not about us, but you all just do such a great job of reflecting Jesus that I think people just want to come. Amen. So the Lord is proud of you. So you can take that and, you know, put that on your gold star chart. Amen. Amen. So as we continue on this morning, uh, we're going to talk about what it is to cultivate love and marriage. How do I cultivate love vertically with God this way so that the outflow in my marriage and other relationships around me looks like Jesus? How do I do that? Anybody doing well? Want to come take my notes and help me? Okay. I, I leaned in and jokingly uh, asked Leslie today because we'll celebrate 20 years of marriage next month. So <laughs> we've survived. Um, no, it, it has been a journey. It's been great. But I leaned in and asked her and she took a pause because we always joke every time in February. Um, and she's like, February, February 23rd. And she's right, it is. But uh, I'm going to confess, I had to go get my flashlight out this morning and find the bracelet that has mine and her name on it and look on the inside because I couldn't remember if it was the 21st, 22nd, or 23rd. <laughs> Good job, babe. Well done. But I'm just saying, but that, you know, that, that's a testament of God's goodness and, and ability to work in and through lives submitted to him. It's not that we're so awesome and we do everything right, but we just are... Lord, help us because we desire to love you with every shred of who we are and then love each other well. And in order to know that, you have to know the designer. There's no other way to love well than knowing the designer, the creator of love, the one who made it from the beginning anyway. Here's, here's the deal. If you know the designer, he can cause us in our relationship with him this way to let us um, lead well to live out our calling, Pastor Scott talked about that a few weeks ago, to engage our families, to, to, to uh, engage on the small fear inside of your sphere inside of your house, or this church body to engage our families well and go and do something crazy cool for the kingdom, 
to discover purpose in our roles, what we've been uniquely created and crafted for. Each one of you has a gift. Say amen. Amen. And it's been given to you by a really good God, the designer, to advance the kingdom. And today, again, looking at how do we cultivate love with God and what does that look like in the context of marriage? Why do you love well anyway? Because he first loved us, right? 1 John 4, 19. We are able to love well because he first loved us. And it was an intentional love. It was an invitation to love him. And it was directed at all of his creation. Can you say all? We talked a little bit this morning in foundations and what it was to love God, love yourself, love others, and love your enemies. Right? Amen. The rest of you are coming along. That part's hard though, right? Love my enemy. Can I just... No, you can't. You shouldn't do that. Not a good place to start. So as we know the designer, the creator of love, and we step into relationship with him, we, we love others well. And the goal today is that we would walk away with a greater dependence, a connection to God by the Holy Spirit that lives in us, and to be dependent upon him, to have him enthroned upon our heart in such a way that we could love well, that we would be able to grow in our love with God, that would also cause us to grow in our love for our spouses and for our kids, and that it would develop into this intimate, deep, intense relationship and not just be this surface thing, right? How many people you've been loved well by someone, Amen. right? Man, I can, I can think about that. I, think about, I was thinking about my dad. My dad loved well. Love me well. Even in my hardest, dark, darkest, deepest, junky times, loved well. So that motivates me. I, I, I think that he was such a great example of what it was to love like the designer, that he loved me well, that when I, when I caught it, I was like, oh, I, I can love that way. I mean, my dad loved so well, sometimes it was annoying, right? <laughs> yes, dad, this is the third time you call me this week. I know you love me. Like, he used to handwrite letters to me, too. It was crazy. He was super intense, but he was a great, great example of what it is to love well. And to love well inside of, uh, inside of that relationship with God was the reason. He would say, um, I'd be like, Dad, how do, you, how do you love so well? He's like, oh, it's all about God and what he's done in my heart and my life and how he's changed me. That helps me to love. Because I know this for sure. I was hard to love. But he loved me well because he loved God. If you want to turn with me to John chapter 14, we're going to read a portion of that this morning starting in verse 15. And this is going to give us a, a launch pad, if you will. And I got lots of great practical stuff today. So if you're a note taker, I want to encourage you. There's some good practical steps that I gleaned from the, uh, the elder body that I'm going to give to you a little bit later. There's some good stuff in there. I still think Stennis says love is best expressed by a banana mayonnaise sandwich. Amen. <laughs> Scott's like, ooh, I'm sick. Um, all right, John chapter 14. Verse 15, I'm going to read through verse 26 this morning. It says, if you love me, obey me, my, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you an, another advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, right, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives in he lives with you now and later he will be with you. 
No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I, I, I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. And I'm going to stop there. I'm just going to ask God to open our hearts and minds we truck on this morning, okay? Lord, I thank you for this body. I thank you that you are the designer of love. And God, speak to us today. We want to hear your voice. Holy Spirit, reveal to us what it is to love well. To love you with all of our heart, mind, and strength. And to love others as ourselves. So will you help us and lead us and guide us today. In Jesus' name, amen. True love. A love that doesn't shrink back. A love that is just crazy dedicated to you. Think about your favorite love story. I was thinking about the Princess Bride this week, personally. Love, true love. Every time you talk about love, I think you got to go there. Because this crazy love story, although it's, it's Wesley and it's Princess Buttercup. I mean, what a great name, right? But it's this crazy story of this love that would pursue this lady through all these pits and big ugly rats. I mean, I, there's all sorts of stuff going on in that movie. But Wesley was willing to pursue her with everything he had, even unto getting paralyzed and not being able to breathe. You're going to go watch it this week. I know you are. But that story is so motivational to me because that's true unconditional love it it has no bounds it doesn't hold a record of wrongs it forgives freely and fully to the world the love of God looks a little bit reckless it looks a little bit crazy that a love would rally to a point to death on a cross to save somebody I had a conversation with a guy a couple weeks ago and talking about stuff and I'm like man I have a friend he like he was willing to take a bullet and die for me and he's like shut up I'm like no man he was willing to bleed out for me he's like oh man you're talking about Jesus aren't you <laughs> yeah I am but that crazy love like the world doesn't get it. it it doesn't understand it it's hard to fathom at times a love that would be so true so committed that it would run itself to the end of itself in order to save everyone it's crazy Love's not disposable either. It's not something that we can just wrap up like a thing you took notes on and try to make a three-point shot from the office chair. That's not how love actually works. Love is an action. Can I say, come on, amen. Love isn't just something you can kind of throw out there and let it lie, right? Love is action. Love is proving that you actually believe in your heart what comes out of your mouth and you pursue it by actually doing something about it. Jesus came to seek and save the lost is what Luke 19 tells us. He came and then he did something about it, right? Like he came to us with love, but he just didn't hang out and be like, everybody come to me. Let me love you. He pursued relationship. He tracked down the most broken, dark, messed up people, even the naked tomb raider that we see who was just running around eating people's cats and dogs in the middle of nowhere. He came to that man and he called out in love and said, be free. In Jesus' name. 
A love that would pursue you to your darkest, deepest moment. True love. And then he calls us to do the same. Hey, go to the hurt. Go to the lost. Go to the broken. Go to your enemies. Love them well. Genuine love is humble. It's willingly obedient, not under pressure or duty. Again, it's not a task to be checked off on to, to love your spouse. Look at your spouse real quick. Maybe somebody close to you, you like, see, yeah, lots of love in this place today. Deuteronomy 5.10 says that God lavishes his unfailing love to a thousand generations to those that love and obey his commands. Remember, what do we read in John? If you love me, you'll obey me. For some of you are like, I don't want to obey. I want my own stuff and my cookies and my Oreos and the cup of milk too. I want it all. Here's the deal. If we can be broken before a living, loving God and experience that kind of love for us that was crazy enough to track us down in our worst, worst darkest, deepest hole, then we're going to love others well. We're going to love our spouses well. We're going to desire to cultivate relationship with our spouse. And out of that relationship that is a picture of Jesus and the church, people go, I want that. I want to love that way. Man, that couple, our kids are constantly saying, quit touching, don't touch mom, don't hold her hand. Anybody else like that? I don't know. Should be. Hug my wife and they're trying to pry us apart. Even our dachshund tries to get in the middle. But like we genuinely love each other that much. And I'm telling you what, man, that love in our marriage as we cultivate that marriage with God and in the relationship with other. When we were in, we were, when we were in youth ministry, we would have students over to our house. So they got to see a really cool picture of what it was to love each other well. And your marriage, couples out there today, your marriage is a picture of Jesus and the church. It is the reason why that marriage thing is under attack from hell so bad to undermine, destroy, mess with, get in the middle of, tell you that you picked wrong. That's a lie straight from the pit of hell. Your marriage is beautiful. It is a picture of Jesus coming for a bride, spotless, perfect, blameless. That's crazy love, amen? Deuteronomy 6, 5, and 6, you must love the gourd. The gourd. I don't like gourds. And you must love the Lord, your God, with all of your, all of your soul, every shred of who you are, and all of your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these uh, commandments I'm giving you today. Because if we know true love, then... It, Love can work out, and it's love and marriage. God, I love you with every fiber and shred of who I, who I am, and now I'm going to love my spouse well this way, right? This vertical love and connection to God who shapes us, forms us, makes us more into his image, allows us and gives us the opportunity to love well. When I was a kid, probably one of the worst examples on TV was a show called Married with Children. Don't go watch those reruns. reruns. Al Bundy was a horrible guy. Peg, I don't know how she ever survived it. But anyway, horrible example. Honestly, a lot, a lot of my childhood probably looked like married with children. Like I had no basis for what that was supposed to look like in the context of healthy, right? My mom absolutely loved us, sold out for us. She did so well on so many levels. And then, like the rest of us, we all have our faults, amen? But that was a bad example. But married, 
committed fully with every shred of who you are, loving God and loving your spouse well. In Ephesians 5.21, we get, the, we, get a, we get a good list. We're going to go there if you want to turn to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. And the title in my NLT is Spirit-Guided Relationships. So picking it up in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, And further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. Quiet, guys. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did, not, he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. Anybody make a marriage vow? You ever struggle to keep it? I'll stick up my hand. Those vows are serious though, right? Those vows are something that we don't take lightly or we shouldn't take lightly. Because vows are made to be kept. Covenants are not made to be broken. That marriage covenant is so, so sacred to God and so important. Why? Again, because it's a picture of Jesus and the church. And people are looking to see if it'll work. So, guys, we got to lead well, right? We need to lead well. We need to lead our spouse as well. I find this most of the time, some of the struggles within marriage are just because we're not leading well. We're not doing the right things. We're not connecting vertically with a loving, living God who helps us to love our lives well and lead well. A lot of the time, it's really out of that. Because I will tell you this in my marriage, man, as long as I'm focused on God, not perfect every time, my wife will follow me through hell or high water because she knows how this works. And then I love her well, and then, man, we go for broke. All right, this is the practical section if you want to take some notes. I uh, want to make a shameless plug on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. right over here in Life Studies. Jim and Lauren, Lauren Joyner are leading a marriage class, and I just want to thank you. Well, Jim and Lauren, where are you guys at? Bing, bing. Oh, there they are in the back. I see your hand. How many of you have been in Cultivate Marriage or are currently in Cultivate Marriage? Just throw up your hand for me real quick. Look around. Amen. Is God doing good things through that class, y'all? I see lots of heads going up and out. So good stuff is going on there, good practical stuff. And I asked the elder body and and pulled Jim just for some practical stuff. So right over here at 9 a.m., bring your spouse, grab a cup of coffee, and learn more about how you can love God this way and love your spouse. Amen. So here's one, this is one that someone put down, invest in your marriage. And I wrote down my little side tag, date your wife. What? Yeah, date your wife forever. Every, usually every Friday, we go on date day. It's date day. And the kids are like, oh, you guys are going on a date again? Yeah, because I want to love my wife well so I can love you well, right? 
So we date each other every day, or every week we go. Man, I feel like we're on a date every day, babe. I love you. But I date my wife. I take time away from my own busy schedule and make sure that she gets to be the center of that. And we get to spend some just time together. Half the time we don't even say anything. It's just nice to be with each other. Amen? Acts of service. Do the dishes. Fold a basket of laundry. Some of you guys are going, oh, no. But, I mean, do something outside of normal for you, right? Include each other in the decisions you're going to make. Hey, babe, I'm praying about this thing. Will you pray with me? I want to know what you hear from God as well before we make, make a decision. Believe the absolute best about your spouse. Your spouse is not your enemy. Amen? We don't battle against flesh and blood. And your, your spouse, although is flesh and, that's not your enemy. Amen? Your enemy is the enemy of your soul who looks to seek and devour, who's looking to mess with your marriage at every turn. Get violent about it. Tell the devil, no way, Jack, you don't get to be up in my marriage. You don't get to lie to me about what my spouse is. I didn't even talk to her about that thing and you're telling me something opposite about her. No, I'm going to take that thought captive. I'm going to grab and toss. Everybody remember that? Grab, toss. No, my wife is my best friend. She was mean to me today. That's fine. He said something, he said something off. Good, welcome to the club. I'm going to choose to walk in forgiveness and love because of the love God has showered upon my life and because the Holy Spirit enables me to love well, right? Believe the best about your spouse. He and or she is not your enemy. Hey, guys, we don't have to fix it all the time. Amen? Sometimes I ask Leslie, I'm like, okay, you're going to tell me something. Do you want me to do something or do you just want me to listen? Okay, just listen. That's going to be hard for me, but I'll do that. Sometimes our spouses just want to be heard one way or the other, right? I just want to hear you. And it, I, Mark said it well, this morning, he said, you kind of sound like Charlie Brown. Womp, 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 womp. That's the teacher in Charlie Brown, right? Sometimes when we don't listen well, that's what we hear. And then you're like, huh? Or I'm deaf in this ear and Leslie's going deaf in her left. So in the car, it's rough. What'd you say? I don't know. Just drive. Forgive often and freely, amen? We're going to make mistakes, y'all. But your spouse is not your enemy and God's looking to help you, so just forgive. Don't go to bed angry. And this was the other one I loved. And if you can, make the bed together in the morning. Again, it's time. Be, sw be slow to speak and quick to listen. I know you guys are really good at that one. Someone texts me back, is that actually possible in the text thread that I had going back and forth? And I said, yeah, as long as you bite your tongue until it bleeds. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to prefer your spouse. Serious love, a love that would suffer, a love that would take unbelievable punishment, a love that would ultimately bleed for the bride, his church. That's how we're supposed to love. Love is alignment, body, soul, spirit, every shred of who we are. Knowing that the designer has created this ultimately for his, his goodness and enjoyment. And he desires to fill us full of his love so that we can love our spouse as well. Amen? Here's the deal. If, you're, if you are in this room and you're married today, and I know I'm talking a lot about married couples, this stuff works across the board for people. 
because we're called to love God, love people. And that part is hard. Have you met us? We're difficult at times. But if we know the designer, the one who created us, shaped us, made us, if we're in intense relationship, experiencing his love for us personally, we're probably going to do a good job loving other people because we're going to see different. We're going to talk different. You know, sometimes I just like, I'll even grab a kid and I'll, I'll hug him and it'll be like, oh, dad, why, why? I'm like, I love you. Yeah, I know. Quit hugging me. Right, Karis? Actually, she's the nice one. Um, but we got to know the designer because if we know the designer and he's shaping us and molding our hearts and it's focused upon him, we're going to do a good job of loving people around us. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 and 16, I think this is part of the society we live in that wants to tell us that the sanctity of marriage doesn't matter anymore. It matters. It matters big time. It matters big to the heart of God. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 says this through 16. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can, a, how can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? It's getting, it's getting hard, right? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be with God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Every one of you in this room today that knows Jesus, you're a temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Some of you are thinking like unequally yoked. You heard that, like you've read that scripture a few times. I used to tell my students, no missionary dating. You know, we went on three dates, Leslie and I. I was not saved. So at the end of our third date, she pulled me aside and I thought, man, I'm winning. She goes, look, you're a nice guy. I like you. But she said, I need a godly man and I need a father for my daughter. And you are none of those things. Shoot, girl. Anyway. But that, I loved that about it because it was true, right? And I thought to myself, you know, I... I'd messed up a bunch of relationships. I had no pulse for what it was like to love well, right? Or love rightly. Surely didn't, want, didn't know how to love like the heart of God. So, you know, I mean, that started my salvation story. She lovingly spoke the truth and, and wasn't mean about it. And I showed up to church and God radically met me at the altar that day. Changed my life forever. I went to church chasing a girl and met Jesus. <laughs> right? Now I've been chasing her for 20 years. Woo, okay. But in the context of that, here's the important thing to remember. In the Greek, it, it's talking about being hitched up. In the Greek, it also means crossbred. It sounds a little weird, but what God is saying, this is how much I care about your marriage. This is how much I carry about the picture your marriage carries and how it points to the church. Jesus dying for her to make her perfect and then coming back to redeem her and completely embrace her. It, it's so important that I'm telling you what, don't get, don't get tied up young people in a relationship with someone who doesn't talk like Jesus, look like Jesus, who doesn't think like you. It won't work. Okay? Leslie realized that it wouldn't work. Well, I got saved. Praise God. God did a miraculous thing. But don't be careful. 
Don't muddy the water. Be upfront in your relationships. If you're going to love God like crazy and then you want to love your spouse, well, don't, don't sacrifice God's best for you in that. Amen? Be real about it. Because, again, it's a marriage covenant, right? It's a covenant made between a man and a woman. And how long is that supposed to last? Forever. Really, that was God's intent. Covenants are not made to be broken. In Jewish culture, when they would make a covenant, they would talk about the details of the covenant they were going to make in relationship and talk about the details. And they would lay the blood down and they would cut up the sacrifices for the altar. And then they would walk and talk together through the pieces of meat and blood and nastiness. And I know it's kind of graphic, but they were saying, hey, this covenant means so much that this is a covenant in blood. And when we get to the end of it and we make an agreement and we shake on it, it's a done deal. Cannot be changed, was never made to be broken. And that's the marriage covenant. It's not made to be broken. Again, the enemy would love to break up marriages and would love to thrash you and cause you to think ill things about your spouse, but your spouse is not your enemy, Amen. Look, I know some of you in this room may be wrestling with marriage things today and you're struggling. <laughs> Maybe you're here and your spouse isn't here. Maybe you're both here and you're wrestling and struggling. I'm glad you're here. Because God, the creator of the universe, cares so much about your marriage. He's sold out for you. He's sold out for your marriage. He's sold out for you individually. And he desires to breathe new life on your marriage today. Divorce is not a word to be pitched around. Amen? Amen? It rolls off your tongue and it sounds bad. It's not in the marriage playbook. Can I get an amen? amen? And I believe today that even as we go back into worship here in a few minutes that some of y'all ought to come. And you ought to maybe ask for forgiveness towards God, towards your spouse and for each other. Maybe you should shed some tears and snot together. Say, God, we want you in the middle of this. We need you. I think for any of us today, that is the call of God. I'm, I'll wake up every day and be like, God, if you don't help me, I'm toast. I won't love well. I won't do well. I need you. Desire you. I want you in the middle of my marriage. Because here's some real staggering just statistics, too, about that. 20% of all, 20% of marriages fail within the first one to five years. Second marriages, 67% failure rate. This is devoid of God, right? I'm just giving you stats. 74% plus over the top. I think at one point it was 83% of, of anything after that. It's going to fail. We're joined as one in that marriage covenant. Even as we did this ceremony yesterday for Wiley and Jennifer, man, till death do us part, financial struggle, life struggle, mistakes made. But God says, but I'm for your marriage. You know, marital unfaithfulness, God is still for your marriage. God can restore even that. In Matthew 19, they talk about it and Jesus is going through and they're like, yeah, well, Moses said I could give a wife a divorce decree if she cheated on me. And <laughs> Jesus goes, yeah, but Moses just made that as concession for your hard heart. Oh, you mean even in that God can fix it? Yep. Watched them do crazy things. I've watched people who have been divorced for years come back together and get remarried. Let that break your brain. I mean, come on. Because when God says, let what I put together and establish, let no man split it apart, he's super serious about it. Why? Jesus, the church, coming back for his bride. Broken, loving, and caring for her in a way that really, really matters. 
He loved so much that he loved it to death. Jesus loved you so much personally and cares about your marriage so much and cares about your relationships in the context of the body so much that he was willing to die for it. So if Jesus was willing to die for it, are we willing to die to ourselves? I don't know. It's a question you, better ask, you ought to ask, maybe ask yourself today. Love that is rooted in Jesus, cared for and cultivated by the spirit of the living God on the inside of us, will stand the test of time, period, plain and simple. Look, I know situations, there's situations of abuse I know people have gotten out of and they needed to get out of and then God brings them a great spouse and it happens. I know marital unfaithfulness happens and sometimes that's hard, but God desires to still restore it even in the, in the midst of that. Some of you are wrestling today and God says, meet me here. Meet me here individually and meet me as a couple. Watch what I'll do. I want to make your marriage so awesome that it reflects my glory and my goodness. Jesus was willing. Are you willing to die to yourself? Are you willing to quit battling flesh and realize that your battle is spiritual wickedness and darkness and deep, dark, dank places? Quit listening to the enemy lie to you about your spouse. Amen? Quit listening to the enemy about anything ever, always. Amen? Tell him to shut up in Jesus' name. Amen? You don't, get to, you don't get to tell me that stuff. That's anti what God would say. Maybe it's a heart thing today that you need to come to. Maybe you've heard all this this morning and you don't even know. But it says in Hebrews 12, because of the joy awaiting him, he, Jesus, endured the cross, disregarding its shame because he loved so much. Maybe you just need to say yes to Jesus today. Man, if you came and you heard a thing about marriage today, a message about marriage and how to love your spouse, you don't have a spouse, that's fine. These things will apply to your relationships that you have with other people as well. And then if you cultivate that relationship with the master designer, then when you do love well, it'll be awesome. It'll be super beautiful. Maybe you came today and you're like, man, I don't even know Jesus. I, I'm horrible at loving well, but I wanna know the designer. I just want to encourage you, just say yes to Jesus right now. Matter of fact, close your, close your eyes for just a quick second. And pray this prayer with me if you want to know Jesus. Jesus, come into my heart. Change my life. I desire to know you so that I can have relationship with you and love you with all of my heart, all of my mind, and all of my strength so that I can love others like you do. Amen. Hey, say yes to Jesus today. It'll be the start of a great relationship that'll cause you to love well. Amen. Our ability to love God and love others gets off when we get hurt or angry or something bad happens. And then we take Jesus off the throne of our heart and then we put ourselves on there. And then it's all about me and my stuff and me and my and me and mine, 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 right? But maybe, and this I want to pose this to you as we go into worship, you can all stand with me. It's probably most likely because we shoved Jesus off and we're sitting on the throne. So here's my challenge to you. My, I want to implore you, put Jesus back on the throne of your heart today. Your spouse is not your enemy. A living, loving God that pursued you to death 
is for you and he's for your marriage and he's for your relationships and he's for your kids and he's for your families and the destroyer of your soul the enemy tell him hey get back in Jesus name you can't have my marriage amen you can't have my kids you can't have my you can't have my friends and my relationships I in the name of Jesus put you back where you belong you foul foul being amen you don't get my marriage Jack shut your mouth in Jesus name put him back on the throne of your heart where he belongs and bring into alignment this crazy love that was poured out, this reckless love, at least by world standards, what it looks like. Put it back in alignment so that you can love well. Love yourself, love your good, loving God, and love your spouse well. So God, as we come into worship today, I pray that you would touch our hearts, that you would reveal to us maybe the dark spots we need to address. Lord, I pray for a marriage restoration today in the name of Jesus. And I pray that every lie of the enemy would fall flat like a pancake, God. And that, Lord, your love would overwhelm us, consume us. And that, God, we would submit to you, obey you. Because, Lord, if we obey you, that shows that we love you. And that, God, you would transform our hearts. You would transform our marriages. That, Lord, it would reflect your glory. And that, God, from this place, it would be a place where people go, man, I've got to get there. God is doing something crazy Cool. I want to experience that kind of love. So will you touch us, Holy Spirit, as we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full-service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.